Hey, you firecrackers, it's Naomi Sneakus. How you doing? Welcome to the firecracker department. Uh, it's been a while, right? It's been a little bit of time since a new episode of the firecracker department has come out. And uh, let me tell you, there's a lot that's been going on. Gosh, in our world and in my life. And uh, I appreciate all you guys for sticking with us. I have to say, I don't write these intros and some of you are like we know Naomi they aren't very well thought out but I do I do give them some thought beforehand and sometimes I am challenged as to what inspires me or I'm challenged as to what I'm passionate to talk about you know I'm, I'm always thinking about things that are going on in the world but it's not always easy to formulate into thoughts and you know you put yourself out there in a podcast forum and you set yourself up for judgment. And that's that's challenging. Anybody who's ever recorded their voice hates it, first of all. Anybody who's been a guest always are like, oh, I hate the sound of my voice. Well, you're not alone. I'm not crazy about the sound of my voice either, but I am crazy about this show. And um, so sometimes I find myself thinking, okay, what am I going to talk about in the intro? And I think about what my week has been like. And if it's too challenging, like I've had a couple of challenging weeks, I'm hesitant to talk about it because there's so much darkness out there already that I kind of think this firecracker department show should be about what inspires you and who inspires you and finding that energy. And then sometimes it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard to stay positive. A lot of people say that I'm a very positive person, and I think I am, but I'm going to tell you flat out, it's not always easy. Sometimes it's a muscle that I have to really work on. Um, these last couple of weeks with the hashtag MeToo, I'm finding it difficult to read these stories and hear these women speaking and just know where to put it all, know where to place all the sadness and anger and pain that that we've all been going through. Uh, it's a really big challenge for me. And then also, I don't know how to support it. You know, it's funny when this whole Me Too movement started, I had to really um, assess when I have been sexually assaulted or sexually harassed. And um, any stories that I came up, in fact, my husband, Matt, had to remind me of some that I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Because A, I think I've belittled it. You know, I uh, I brush off a lot of um, poor, horrible behavior from men as just, oh, they're just creepy. And when you start working in with a company or an organization and somebody says, oh, watch out for so-and-so, he's a bit of a creepy guy, that just became common. And I hate that. I hate that I have diminished my experiences because they just became common. And the other thing is that I belittle my experiences because they're not even a smidgen close to what some of my friends have had to deal with. And so I I just kind of brush them aside. And so all these things, it's a really hard time for me personally to process the whole thing and know how to help. Um, I don't know how to help. That's the thing. I'm not sure yet. 
I know that it helps to reach out to um, people that are in pain and say, I support you and I'm here if you need me. I know that it helps for people to be heard. And I know that where we are in 2017 is a place that will never go backwards. These voices have come out and they are not going to die down. And the people around them that are responsible for the pain that, you know, some of my colleagues and friends have had to go through, they need to be held accountable. And uh, I mean, if there's ever a silver lining in this horrible state that we're in, it's that change is afoot. And um, this hasn't been something that I've experienced ever. So that's at least exciting that people are speaking out more. Support is coming more and maybe not as fast as we want it to, but it's coming. And then I think about this podcast and I think, well, if I can help in any way with this podcast, that feels great. By by giving a, another platform for women to have a voice, for women to tell their stories, their victories, their struggles, and to share them, I feel good about that. And um, based on the response and the feedback that I'm getting from all of you, I feel like we're doing something worthwhile. And I really thank you. It's um, I've been really, but I've been really holding on to this intro for a long time because I wasn't sure how to speak about it. But um, I guess bottom line is I really want to thank the people that are supporting this podcast, but also I want to thank the bravery and boldness of the people that are coming forward with their stories, because I feel like that's going to be the answer. We're going to speak up, we're going to get supported, and people are going to come together. And that, to me, is what it's all about, coming together for strength. So, that all being said, how have your weeks been? Um, I'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, We have our own... Uh, email account and that's firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com please write to us if you have any questions or any thoughts about this podcast I read everything that comes in and respond as much as possible and uh, would love to hear any and all comments from you Um, something that we are working on with the producers over at Carousel Pictures is a follow up follow up to the interviews that we've already had Uh, maybe somebody said something that really struck a chord for you, throw me an email. Uh, It's firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com and let me know what a follow-up question could be and I'll see what I can do about asking our past guests those questions. Um, Yeah, we're in a really exciting time with this podcast and I feel like it's uh, growing and growing and it's because of you guys supporting it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I am so excited about uh, today's episode. Uh, This gal, man, she's a firecracker. I'm talking to the star of Carmilla, the hit web series, and now the hit movie, Natasha Negovanlis. Um, Now, anybody who even knows her a smidgen knows she's a powerhouse. She's like the best definition of firecracker ever. And um, I've known her for quite a long time. When we used to do a show called the Carnegie Hall Show at the Bread and Circus, uh, she came and sang. And I remember watching her sing going, who is this gal? She was incredible. And um, we had great houses by then. And I remember seeing the audience just dumbfounded that you'd get a bunch of jokers doing improv. And then this 
amazing superstar singing opera in front of everybody. It was incredible. It was a really incredible night. Uh, and she's here to talk to us. And she's just such a real person. I'm so glad to have this time to talk to her. And I'm so in awe and happy for her success. It's really, it's really cool. If you haven't seen Carmilla, um, the web series, go check out a couple episodes before you listen to this and then you'll be right in tune. And then afterwards, you can go see Carmilla the movie too. She's amazing. Here she is, Natasha Nagavanlis. And it's only my third podcast really? ever. I'm I would excited, think though. you would be all over podcast world. I'm into it. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Me too. But what are your faves? Uh, lately, well, S Town was really good. Yep. Um, I'm a big fan of Fake the Nation with Nikki uh-huh. Farsad. She's What's that? An amazing, like stand-up producer, actress, and it's all like real politics. Oh. But they comment on it on a hilarious, in a hilarious oh, yeah. way. American like politics, but it's. Super funny. Yeah. Super oh, that's funny. good. So great. So that kind of world, are you into like murder? Um, Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Did the serial thing, which was yeah. great. I didn't um, like serial. I liked the first season. I just want some completion. Season. I want somebody to go, and he was innocent. Yes. Or, and he was guilty. But that's the mystery of it. I know. I don't like it. I need to have completion in my life. I have too many other things that are mysterious. <laughs> that are mysterious? Yeah. That's so funny. Um, yeah. Well, that's why I really liked S-Town. And then I also listened to stuff yeah. Mom Never Told You, which is a really cool, like, feminist oh, podcast. Oh, I'll check in on those, like too. A lot. Yeah, it's really good. Each episode is just, like, a different... Uh, female issue basically so it'll be like women in the workplace but they're like trying to expand and make it much more diverse now which is which is awesome so yeah do you ever listen to uh, Lena Dunham's no I didn't even know she had a podcast yeah it's exactly her like Mm. I feel like she is the same person that she is on the podcast that she would be in real life so it's just like her point of view on things so it's that's great yeah yeah it's good yeah um where are you coming from this morning coming from kind of tv were you doing your were you doing your um Mm. Oh God! What's it called? I want to say ventriloquist, and it's not. Ventriloquist. I wish I was doing ventriloquism. Why isn't there a web series about ventriloquism? Or now? yeah, um, we're gonna write it. It's I don't happening. hate it. I always wanted. Um, I always wanted a dummy. I have a Muppet that I made myself. Like it's not an official Muppet, but I made a puppet yeah. like years ago yeah. because. I, for no reason. Yeah. Like, it's so weird. Just to have it. Yeah, like, her name's Creature, and, I like, I thought that one day she would have her own show, um, but... <laughs> That's not Like, people are wrong. kind of afraid of her, so now she's just, like, in my storage, my storage space. I always thought I'd have, um, like, an actual ventriloquist dummy that yeah. I would take her yeah, Just take her <laughs> What a weird kid yeah. would that be, like, oh, this is me, and this is my friend Sam. When I was in the sixth grade, I used to, like, have a puppet. It was, like, a big orange bird that looked, like, because I was super shy. One of these guys, like a marionette? He was no, it was like an up the bum situation. Okay, sure. But like the yeah, I would just walk around <laughs> with this like weird bird, and I was like, no wonder I was bullied all the time. Like I look at photos of myself, and I was like, yeah, I was super weird. Like this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, hey, yeah. do you know Natasha, the one with the bird? Yeah, yeah, the one with the weird like neon orange fuzzy bird puppet. But I was really shy, so my bird would like talk for me. You know? That's kind of adorable. It's as kind well. of weird, but what were your parents saying um, at the time? They I mean, they thought it was great. Enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah, were they, you an only child? No, I was not. I was for a long time. My brother is just over six years mm. younger than me. That's a uh, big age. Yeah, so I was an only child for a while, but I really wanted a sibling. I used to wish on shooting stars every night. I'd be like, please, like, I just want a sibling and then my brother came along and he's great. 
So when he came along, you're like, this is the best I've always, I've been dreaming about. I saw him be born. I was my mother's labor coach. Yeah. I was in the room. So you were like seven, six? Six. Yeah. And then I brought him for show and tell in the first grade, which was quite the hit. Okay. First of all, what was that like for a six-year-old to be in a delivery room? It was great. Yeah. We were both born at Women's College Hospital in Toronto and they have fantastic sibling sibling programs. I don't know if they still do. I'm sure they do. What do you mean? What's a sibling program? Like different classes to explain like, you know, the birthing system. So I didn't quite know what sex was at that time, but I knew like what the sperm was and the egg and I knew like how it all kind of got there. I just didn't know like how it got in there at that time. But like I knew like the whole birthing process. Right. So I put chapstick on my mom and like I was her labor coach. What? You, you put chapstick on your mom? On my mom. I'd be like, I'm here That's and like so give her sweet. ice chips. It was really cute. Um, it was great. Not traumatizing at all until my mother's entire uterus came out. Oh, God. Sure. Yeah. She's my hero. Right? <laughs> yeah. And but then also- we all kind of got rushed out of the room and my poor father had like a baby and a six-year-old and was like, my wife's dying. What's happening? But oh my God. she survived. She's incredible. I don't know. I don't have kids, so I don't know about no. uteruses popping out of I you. always assumed... It's not supposed to happen. But it can. But it can. The doctors were like, we've only ever read about this. This is... <sighs> That's not something that a doctor should fine. say. Yeah. Ever. I like, know. Like, oh, I've never done this before. It's Just not like, something whoops, you ever... Just going to put it back in. No. Um, doctors should never say whoops. Yeah. Never. I don't know what this is. I don't... They yeah. should always look like they know what they're doing all the time. Even all if the time. I, Even if they go to their locker room and go, holy fuck, her uterus came out. Yeah. That's their own time. That's my, like, that's my strategy in life is always looking like I know what I'm doing and being, just look like I'm super busy all the time. How do you do I that? I have, the, I have that same skill, but how do you do it? Oh, that, yeah, I just always, like, on my phone, looking yeah. at my phone or, like, looking, um, you know, around. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, where am I going? Okay, great. Yeah. It used yeah, to be walk um, really fast. clipboards. If you have clipboards. a clipboard and you're like, oh, excuse me. Yeah. And then pretend you have to hustle off to somewhere else. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I My just... friend, uh, Jimmy, who's fantastic wardrobe of Mr. D, he said he would just take like a piece of wardrobe and walk around like he needs to go somewhere to with go it. somewhere? Right? That's genius. Yeah. So maybe just have wardrobe in your, like on your personal hanger constantly. That would, gotta get this somewhere. That would work uh, for me because a lot of people in the industry are fami- familiar with Carmilla that I work on, um, but don't recognize me ever. So they always ask me if I'm wardrobe, which is really funny. They'll be like, oh, on you're... set? They don't recognize Just like it? sometimes on set or like at table reads it's happened or like I'll be in makeup for like another show and people will be like, oh, you work on Carmilla? Amazing. Like, what do you do? on it or like yeah I remember season two table read um some of the new characters and the new cast members thought that I was wardrobe I was like I don't understand that well it's not like you look I take it as a compliment you know I just get so into character people don't recognize me sure I take it as a compliment I think the real thing that happens is that like not in beautiful hair makeup and wardrobe I just probably look like a homeless person I don't think so I've never seen you look like anything other than gorgeous I mean Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> Every time you see me, I'm pretty done up. But. Uh, I don't know. Do you like the done up part of our business? Um, it's fun sometimes. I I'm definitely a jeans kind of gal. Yeah. So I would much rather be in sweatpants for sure most of the time. I think it's because I have a background in classical music, so 
I've been sort of having to dress up my whole life. And yeah. The novelty wears off eventually. Like, I feel like some folks love dressing up if they're not in the industry because it's like you only get to do it a couple times a year at a yeah. wedding or something. But I think when you do it all the time, it kind of starts to wear off. And now I'm like, I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. I The other day at a TIFF party, I said I really wish that they I could design like a tearaway dress situation. So I'd have like a long dress and a long train on a red carpet, but then I could just rip it off. And have your pajamas and have like Or like comfortable. Let's not like, go extreme. Um, yeah, Annie. a more comfortable dress. Yeah. Or like, yeah. I put flip-flops on the other night. I saw a photo of that and I was like, that's fantastic. I was so comfortable. That's and then great. they're like, can we have a picture? I'm like, yeah, not the feet. Oh, you know what? Screw the like, screw yes, the feet. and the feet because that's what happens. I saw them. They were gold. No, they were they still were fancy. Camouflage, but they were camouflage. <laughs> they look gold in the photo. That's so funny. Pulled um, it off. I thought they were gold flip flops, and I was it's like, this nice. weird like dichotomy of like who yeah. we want to be like the comfortable part, and then going no, what we have yeah. to do is put the gown on and stuff like that. I do, I do love it sometimes. I mean, I do really enjoy like fashion, and it's fun to sort of feel like you're playing dress up or playing a character sure. but when I was a kid I always much preferred playing like the evil queen versus the princess yeah. so uh yeah, yeah it definitely wasn't like I was a tomboy growing up so I, I yeah me definitely, too yeah. I didn't wear a dress until I was 12 yeah I didn't and even that I was like really do you really want me to either, wear a dress yeah. just go to the ballet fine I'll take the dress fine. that I have yeah yeah so but you because you went to school in Montreal, but did you grow up in Montreal? I did not. I grew up in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. In the east end of Toronto. Um, Montreal was amazing, though. And How I old s- were you when you went to Montreal to go to school? I was 19. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of young to go to school. Yeah. Maybe? I don't know. I took a year off after high school, so I was a little bit older than some of my peers, especially because mm-hmm. in Quebec they have stage ups, so mm-hmm. some of my peers were like 17, which at that age are like, whoa, two years. Right. It's such a huge difference. <laughs> right. I'm so much more mature. But I did leave home when I was 18, so um, yeah, so I feel like I didn't get like a very normal university experience because I lived in an apartment and I didn't really do like the whole freshman thing yeah. but um but I loved Montreal I loved the city and that's where I got really um submerged myself into the uh, the improv community so yeah yeah so tell me because I because you started out singing mm-hmm and yeah. you have a gorgeous voice that or you still <laughs> what happened it's so raspy now from overuse I feel like I just yell at fancy parties all yeah. the time now it's just like hello <laughs> Yeah. Do you not do you not sing anymore? I don't sing classical music too much anymore. Once in a while, I'll like put on my own cabaret once a year. Yeah. Um, I recently auditioned for uh, some musicals just to see if I still had it. Yeah. Had a couple callbacks, which was nice. I was like, still got it. Yeah. Still a terrible dancer. Which uh, which musicals did you audition for? I auditioned for Bend It Like Beckham the musical. <gasps> yes. So funny. Fantastic. Um, and then of course, once it gets down to the dance call, it's like, oh, I cannot dance at all. Um. Like, not a triple threat. Um, at all, but I, so I, I still sing sometimes, but I, I certainly sing like a lot more contemporary music, I think. When you say classical, like what was that? What Mm -hmm. was that genre for you? Like name some artists that you were. One of my favorite artists is Samuel Barber and Aaron Copland. Um, so it's like a lot of like English or American old folk music written in like the early 1900s. I really love that stuff. I did a lot of Gilbert and Sullivan, so a lot of operetta. Right. Um, and when I was in university, I was in a Baroque music ensemble. So no I sang kidding. a lot of like crazy, like, really? and like, yeah, like really. Um, That's such a specialized. Yeah, or not Minotti. What am I saying? God, it's been years. No, what did I sing? Anyway, crazy Baroque music. It was. But no, like, I don't know a lot of people that are like, oh, I sing a little bit of Baroque music. Like, it's not a typical. 
genre yeah. to to hold on to. Yeah, it was it was really fun. I started studying. Well, I started in school choirs. Yeah. So that's kind of how I found. And that was all classical stuff. That was all like music. hymns and like. Not religious choirs, no. but uh, like school choirs, just like little kid music. And then I started singing in a professional kids choir around the age of eight. So we do like Carmina Burana and oh my gosh, um, adorable! Yeah, and so I That's did so that, adorable. and that introduced me to musical theater because when I was eleven, I got to be in the chorus of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Was that your choir. big break? Like that in was your like heart? the first time I was on a big stage and did a big musical, and I just remember like the scrim going up and thinking like this is exactly where I want to be and I want to do this forever. Yep. And that led me to music theater school, so I went to Wexford School for the Arts for okay. music theater. Um, and then it was a weird happenstance that the first musical I did at Wexford in grade nine was. Um, Pirates of Penzance. Okay. So. What's the big song from that musical? Poor Wandering One and, and oh, Modern Major General. Yes, is yes, the yes, song yes. everybody knows. Yes. Yeah. They can't sing, but they know it. Yeah, yeah everybody knows it. It's tricky. parodied like a million times. Yeah. But uh, it was really funny. So all of a sudden, uh, you know, my teachers there were like, holy crap, like her voice is unreal. She can yeah. sing classical music because I'd sang choirs my whole life. And, uh, they led me to start studying privately outside of school with my voice teachers. And then I did like all my conservatory stuff, and it was very assumed that I was going to be an opera singer for most of my life. So really, I took a year off after high school to prep all my audition repertoire, and ended up going to McGill. Um, and then I dropped out in my third year, which I never, ever, ever would have imagined doing in my wildest dreams, because um, it was really hard to get into that school. I was like one of seven girls who got in. Oh my gosh. But I had this grand epiphany that I, what I really wanted to be doing at my core was acting, and that voice was just a tool I was using to express myself, but it wasn't, the core of it was that I wanted to be telling stories, and I wanted to be acting, and mm -hmm. I think... Um, was there a moment? Was there something that you went, this isn't what I want to be doing anymore? Yeah, it's funny. I think, well, I, I, I also was in the drama program and the film program at, in high school, and, and I pushed really hard... I fought my parents to go to school for music, but my backup plan was to go to film school. And they said, well, you know, we'd much prefer for you to have a degree and, and you'll get into to music school, so don't worry about it. So I, I didn't apply for film school um, and just applied for music. And uh, I think people were very blindsided by my voice. When you're younger, you know, you really listen to what your authorities and superiors say. Yeah. I mean, at least I did. I was totally a teacher's pet and a giant nerd. But Well, you get guided, for sure. Yeah, I was yeah. really guided into classical music. And I loved it. And I loved performing, but... Seems like it came easy to you, too. Well, that was the thing. I think it was what I was best at, but not necessarily what I was most passionate about. Right. It was the performance that I was passionate about. I loved singing. I worked in musical theater. I did community theater as um, a teenager. So, you know, in my four years of high school, I did about 10 musicals, and I really loved that. Yeah. Um, I think the moment was, I started, in my first year of McGill, I was not Super thrilled with my program. I wasn't very happy. It just didn't feel like the right fit for me. Yeah. It was very stuck up. It was yeah. very snobby. It was very much an old boys club, very traditional. You know, they said music theater is not real music. And I was like, but I love music. I want to sing the Beatles. I want to sing jazz. I want to yeah. sing opera still, but I want to do all these things. And it is very much like the ballet of the music world, right. I would say. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very traditional. And there's not a lot of room for growth there, um, or exploration, rather. Um, so I started doing a lot of plays and a lot of improv because I wasn't happy with my program. And I yeah. said, like, I need to be on stage. I need to be performing. So I joined Montreal Improv Theater. 
Um, I started doing plays outside of school that I was auditioning for. What was your improv experience like there? Um, I loved it. I was in the improv team yeah. in high school, so I did the Canadian improv games, and I loved that. Yeah. And improv totally saved me. Like, I don't do it so much anymore, but... Um, How come? I bet you're great. Oh, man. And you watch your stuff on Camilla. It's like all this... I like, don't know if I am, but thanks. You still have the muscle, for sure. I do it when I'm in other cities, and I normally don't, like, post about it or tweet about it because I do it for me. It's kind of like yeah. going to the gym. Yeah. I think yes. when I moved to Toronto, there are so many amazing professional improvisers here, and I was like, well, that's not my career path, and I'm not hustling to be a comedian. So right. I felt, like, really intimidated to kind of come into the community. But Montreal's community was so, so welcoming yeah. and so lovely. So I called it like my church because I would go and do competitive improv every Friday night for like th the three years I lived there. You didn't there. tell anybody in your singing world? You just go. I would just go and do undercover it. Undercover and... wearing a mustache. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Unshaved my, my half Greek mustache. That's right. <laughs> um, didn't get the mustache in, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. So you would do that on, on the weekend and do your yeah, singing during the week? Yeah. It's a weird happenstance. I booked a play that was supposed to go to New York. Uh, it was interesting. It was based off a, the, uh, a true story. Um, right. So it was a young writer? Somebody? Yeah, like a first-time okay. writer. And she was amazing and, and so lovely. But uh, it was supposed to go to New York, and so I, I deferred my um, semester, and I came to Toronto, and I got an agent because I thought, you know, before I go to New York, I should do this. And I was also watching a lot of my peers that I went to high school with on television, thinking, like, Ugh, I want to be doing mm. that. And then one day I just said, like, why don't you do it? Like, yeah. stop moping around. I was paying for school myself, so it's like, sorry, mom and dad, like, yeah. this is my money. I gotta go do this. Yeah. I'm gonna get off my butt. And I said to them, uh, just give me until 25, and if my career is not moving forward in the way I want it to, I will go back to school and finish my degree. Um, Were they okay with that? They were not thrilled about it, but again, it was my own money, and finally, yeah. at 21, I was like, I'm an adult, I've gotta make this decision, I've gotta do it now. I love that you have four years. Four years just to. Kick it, it was a little wild, yeah. but uh, like two weeks before my 25th birthday, I was shooting my first feature film uh, that's on Netflix now called Almost Adults in yeah. the second season of Carmilla. So I was like, haha, universe. Yeah. I did it. Uh, also, like four days after I dropped out, I booked my first professional musical in Toronto um, and did that. Which one was that? Um, it was called Off Broadway on Stage. It was a Off Broadway review at the oh, Toronto Center. Yeah, yeah. That's great. It was super fun, um, and I was like, yes, universe, thank you, on track. And then, of course, the stage lights went out, the curtain dropped, the show ended, and then I was, like, unemployed and just, like, starving and a barista and a server for, like, a very, very long time. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn it, what did I do? Is that when we met, like, and you came and sang at our show? Yeah, probably around, the, it was probably that summer when I was, I just signed with my agent, because the, the play in New York fell through, so I was like... Oh, God, I gotta do something. So yeah. I started doing a bunch of fringe stuff. And yeah, I met you when I was 21. Yeah. And I sang at your show. At the Carnegie Hall in show. Kensington at Market. the Bed and Circus. That yeah. was a fun time. Um, I loved that show for the reason of like seeing folks like you being like, I don't know who this And this amazing performer would just come and take the stage. You'd be like, who is this who person? Is this? Yeah, it was so exciting. I thought it was so cool that you guys invited people to just show off their talents. Yeah. However random they were. I think I sang. Three Little Maids from the Mikado. I think two, you did too. Two yes. of my friends. But yeah. also, like, can you imagine being in the audience and being like, these bunch of Yahoo improvisers, and then you come out and sing <laughs> Three Little Maids. Like, it's such a great dichotomy. I love it, though. Shows. But they all relate together. And that's yeah. what I love about working in, like, film and TV and digital now is that it really incorporates all of 
the art that I love. Yeah. Like, you know, when you make your own content, you have to think about the music. You have to think about the visuals. You have to yeah. write it. You have to act in it. So it's like all of these great things that I love, I get to do all at once now. But did you have that vision that you were going to need all these aspects no, like, I actually you just wanted to be a singer for the longest time. And then when that, curved, I think I like, wanted to do other things. And I allowed myself to say that I was just, just a singer, mm. you know, quote unquote, just a singer. Mm-hmm. I think people would say, Oh yeah, she's a great actress, but she's just a singer. Like I remember I'd get the highest mark in drama in school, but they would give me the music award because right. they said, well, you're going to need this later. Right. Instead of, yeah. you know, um, I think nurturing me to do many things. Um, yeah. So, what was that moment like when you like decided to leave Montreal and drop out? Because that's like, I think that's, regardless of knowing that that's the right decision in your heart of hearts, yeah. it's still scary. It was super scary because I was a straight A student my entire life and I worked really, really hard to get into McGill. Um, it was not... It's not easy, right? It was As the you only... said, seven people got in? Yeah, in my year. Um, so were your teachers like, my what are you doing? Like, were they all, like, fighting you to stay? Surprisingly, no. I didn't really have a mentor there. And I I feel terrible for saying this. And, you know, it's a wonderful school. It just was not for me. And I think because I was a very academic student my whole life, I assumed that university was the best route, or my parents did as well. My I'm the first person from my family to go to post-secondary education. Right. So I think what that was a, a big part of it. My father was a custodian, and my mother was a secretary right. when I was growing up. And I came from nothing. My yeah. grandparents came to this country with a trunk. My mom's family was not very kind to her. She grew up in Regent Park. They were, no yeah, she's part Métis, and unfortunately, Indigenous people do not have the best time in this country. So, like, yeah. I really, like, came from nothing, but my parents um, raised me very well. They did a very good job. Did they, you keep in touch with your grandma? Oh, yeah. I, I talked to my grandmother all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. yeah. What's her name? My baba. Her name is Fanny. Fanny. Fanny, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think that she, like, because you must have genes of hers for sure, because mm-hmm. she sounds like a, a yeah. powerhouse gal. What do you think you took from her as a um, One of my mentor? favorite quotes from my grandmother is, men are stupid, take their money. <laughs> um, and you held on to that. That's what yeah, you which I, no, no. But uh, that was her advice to me when, and here's a tasty tidbit, exclusive on your podcast. Right. Um, I very briefly worked at Hooters for a few months no. when I was a starving artist. No way. Yeah. And I've never said that before. And I'm totally comfortable with you sharing that because I've like hit it for a long time. So I was like, oh my gosh, people are going to think I'm like not a feminist or whatever. But my grandmother was like, Men are stupid. Take, Take their money. <laughs> I stuffed my bra. I used a fake name. I wore fake eyelashes and very big hair. And I worked there for a few months. And I got out of some debts. And this was before I booked Carmilla. Yeah. And I had three other serving jobs. And you're was, feisty. You it was what it was. Yeah. You know. I mean, God, like, all, I yeah. mean, I don't, I've never had the boobs for Hooters, but I've done jobs. It's more about like, the butt. I do have a good butt, I've yeah. been told, so I could have done that. But I don't have the right shoes. I would be like, oh, I'm tired. Oh, like, great. You wore sneakers there. It yeah. was great. No, it's it was true. actually terrible. I quit because I was like, I'm going to pull someone's weave out if I continue working here. Like, <laughs> the girls were not, yeah. Yeah, to be honest, um, there are restaurants in Toronto where the uniforms are much more scantily clad. Because there you're wearing, like, figure skater tights. Yeah. You're like... Not really exposing any real skin. Yeah. Like, there are so many restaurants where they expect you to wear, like, I was working at a restaurant in Yorkville, which is, like, a very fancy neighborhood for people listening or not from Toronto, um, 
and I had to wear this like little black dress and it was supposed to be like more respected to work there but I made way less money and people treated me like garbage and yeah it was about it was only three months but men are uh, stupid take their money that was my grandmother's advice to me um but I'm definitely not that person who could really do that I always um I'm never even anyone's plus one for events because like I always want to be the person with a plus one I've never for me like yeah marriage and, and having a partner has never really been um like my idea of success for me. I've yeah. always been very independent, but I never want to like rely on somebody else. But right, I mean that's not necessarily marriage. Marriage, right? like, no. But in terms of like, oh, just uh, get married. Then, then. Right. Oh, your grandmother's you know, idea of yeah. like, don't worry about looking after yourself. Although now else. she's like, no, no. Now she's like, if I could do it again, yeah. She's like, I would never get married. Right. Yeah. Um, where do you think? So you think you get that from your grandmother and your your mom and dad? And my mom too. My mom's my mom's Canadian, but like she's such a powerhouse. Both my parents did a very good job of hiding the fact that we were very poor from my brother and I. Yeah. Um, and they worked really hard to make sure that we had a nice life. So we grew up. In, I grew up in a very sort of bad neighborhood, and um, they moved us out to the suburbs. Was that in Regent Park? Did you grow up in... No, I was like in Thor... I started out in Thorncliffe Park, and yeah. then I was in East York, but they moved us out to the suburbs in Scarborough um, so that we could have a big house, because it was much cheaper, and mm-hmm. so we could have a nice life, and it was this really bizarre neighborhood where I was like the foreign kid, because my last name wasn't Smith, and... Right, right. It was, so exotic. It was very bizarre yeah. to experience... Um, even as a Caucasian person, like, what that was like to feel like a foreign person. Yeah. Um, kids would make fun of me. So I came from, like, inner city Toronto, where it was very diverse and wonderful, and then moved to this weird suburb where it was, like, Stepford. And kids were so mean to me. And, yeah. like, people would be like, oh, my God, like, her mom works crazy. Oh, my gosh. Or, like, yeah, or, like, you have salami instead of bologna for lunch? Like, right. who are you? Kids are um, so mean. They just find, like, the stupidest things yeah. to pick on you. Kids were super mean. So. Yeah. How did it, you said like you, you were sort of hidden from the idea that you were poor, but how did you see it? Mm. Like looking back. Like how did I realize? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we didn't, we certainly like didn't have, you know, all the fancy things and we were very, really resourceful. Like my mm-hmm. mom would make things in our house or like make our clothes or we'd go to thrift stores and we never had like the newest computer. Like I still remember being, like, the last person on my street to even get internet. Right. Um, which is really funny that I yeah. now became somewhat, yeah. quote-unquote, famous through the internet. Yeah, Because I, kidding. like, yeah, I could not have imagined or predicted that, but... Your mom sounds super resourceful. Yeah, she really, she really, really is. She didn't have the same opportunities that I did um, and didn't get to finish school, but... Um, yeah, she... What would she have done if she went to school? She was in school for fashion design, actually. Oh, because she yeah. makes some of your dresses. Yeah, she well, incredible. she made yeah, she altered my dress for the Canadian Screen Awards. Yeah, which was which was awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I thought it would bring me good luck. It did. To, you know, bring a little piece of mom yeah. with me. And it did. To the carpet. You won the Fan Choice Award. Yeah. What was that like? What was that um, time in your life like? Because you yeah. weren't like. I mean, you, you started Camilla in two thousand fourteen, right? Yeah. So it's been three years. Mm-hmm. But. It's fairly new still, like yeah. this kind of world. So to win the fan choice opposite Mr. Murdoch yeah. Mysteries, like 
Yeah, well, it's funny, a- I was nominated against him the year before uh, in the top three. And yeah. of course, I like did not expect to win at all. And I'm so happy that he did. And then I didn't expect to win again. I thought Helen would take it this year because Murdoch is so great and so popular. Yeah. So so um, what was that like that evening? And how did that impact it your was brain? such a whirlwind and it's quite the blur because I just remember getting rushed immediately off stage and I had to do like a ton of press and then mm-hmm. by the time I came out of it like the show was over and it was totally weird and I was like what just happened yeah um and I didn't like I, I had an idea I thought well okay just in case I do when I should these are the people I should thank and then a lot of that sort of went out the window once I was up on stage and and I thought you were so eloquent oh Really? Yeah, yeah, for somebody that because I, I did can... not feel like I was. Okay, you I... fake it really, really well <laughs> because I watched you going. I would be like throwing up in my mouth between sentences. I felt like I was shaking, and I felt like I had verbal diarrhea, and no. I did not expect it to become as like political sort of as it did. But it was a fans' choice award, and really, it was about the fans. Yeah. Like I would not have been there without fan support. So no, you hit your. That's points. what it's about. You and did it. It was about mm, that. It, you know, it's about my community and about my fans and about. The fact that Carmilla is really breaking the mold and creating more positive queer representation. Yeah. Was that the first time you came out publicly? Uh, no. Not really. I mean, I think... So it's funny. Uh, the very first interview I did was a podcast that was very, very small. Um, the first interview for Carmilla. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, um, in 2014. And they and just asked me, uh, how do you identify? Which in hindsight, is probably not the most appropriate question. And now my PR team would be like, don't ask that. No, no, no I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> uh, but they asked me that, and I was just really honest. I was like, well, I'd prefer not to label my sexuality, but if you have to call me something, pansexual is cool, queer is cool. Um, I came out to my family and friends as bi when I was about 16, and then I felt like bi was not an appropriate label for me as I started to make more non-binary friends. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I'd really rather just love who I love, but people do really need a label to yeah. cl- clutch onto. So yeah. pansexual is cool. Queer is cool. What, pan, what's pansexual? I've never it's, even heard uh, of yeah. So it's, it just means that you're just attracted to people of all identities, gender identities, yeah. and it doesn't really matter. It's not about someone's genitals yeah. about their personality and I love that um that's just kind of how I feel and and we're not kind of that is how I feel yeah um so yeah that's that's a label that works for me now and but it's so like I mean if you were in the position you are in you wouldn't have to really give this as much thought as you have like you have to be a, a spokesperson I don't have to be. I think I chose to be. I think yeah. it happened accidentally. I think there but are... if people ask you questions, you're going to have to yeah. have an opinion. I mean... It's not like you're like, I can't answer that. You're going to have to go, well, no, how do I feel about that? Yeah, I think some of my... Um, I mean, I'm a pretty private person in terms of, like, specifics of my dating life. But, um, you know, I was just honest when that question was asked of me right off the bat. And then people really uh, identified with that. Mm-hmm. And it really resonated with my fans. And then I realized that this was something so much bigger than me and that mm-hmm. there was this opportunity to use my platform and, and my art for something good and for social work, which was great because I feel like if I wasn't an actor, I may have worked in politics or I may have worked in social work. Um, I, well before I was in the public eye, taught improv and drama at CAMHR Center for right. Addiction and Mental Health and I was a volunteer there for a long time. So um, the fact that I get to now help people is is awesome so as much as I just sort of like 
blurted it out. And really, my, my sexual orientation shouldn't have anything to do with the type no. of person or actress or I am. anything. Yeah. But I'm glad that people do know because um, it's really cool to be a role model and to, to receive letters from other queer kids who yeah. are like, hey, thanks for telling me that it's all right. Because I do think a lot of pansexual and bisexual um, people do have a really hard time because there is a portion of the LGBTQ community that does not um, feel that their identity or our identity is valid. So Yeah, which I find really interesting, yeah. you know, because yeah. they've struggled in their community, mm-hmm. and so to see another community start to struggle, you think, hey, let's just make this circle a little bit bigger. Yeah, it is really unfortunate to see people sort of fighting online, or they'll say, well, you know, all bi or pan girls end up with a man, or, or you That's know... just people. Yeah, or I've like, seen, like, weird... Uh, recently, I, I found my first... I guess I know I've made it, because I found my first weird, like, tabloid that said, like, I had oh, a yeah. secret boyfriend, which I, like... 100% do not have a boyfriend. Right. I have not called somebody my boyfriend since 2012. Right. Uh, also, I hope I don't end up with anybody because relationships and monogamy, not for me. No. Like, I like them temporarily, but I'm yeah. married to my job and I don't... Being Getting married has never just been a goal for me personally. Yeah. I don't no. judge anybody who gets married. And you but don't like, think that that's in your future? Do yeah, you, I'm never like, up? oh, who am I going to end up with? I'm like, oh, God, maybe I'll be with someone for 30 years, but maybe we'll separate later like yeah. who knows yeah. I hope I end up just me just happy um just happy yeah uh but it's so funny because I'll I'll see things like that and it's like great I don't um have a boyfriend but even if I did that doesn't make me not queer right like, that's the whole point yeah can we just love who we love yeah it's so interesting because we, we just did the um rainbow camp uh charity oh, event this amazing. past weekend which is such a great camp I don't know if you know anything about that camp but I don't know just, about the camp it's just an LGBT like yeah camp and it's for kids that have a place that can they can go and just be who they want to be yeah and it's interesting because Kinley Mockery who is Colin Mockery and Deb McGrath's daughter Mm -hmm. uh uh she came out as bi and then she's going into um transgender and it's like re it makes me challenge too yeah like what is it to be what she what you want to be and honestly who cares at the end of the day it is what you want it to be cares yeah I know so do you have that kind of inclination of like never or do you just know for right now of getting like married or ending up with someone um no ever since I was a little kid I never like played house never I played single woman with a radio show and a stuffed dog with my like stuffed dog and your puppet so (laughs) yeah yeah, so eight-year-old me thinks that uh 27 year old me is very cool I was gonna say 28 year old me I was like not yet close not yet working towards um working towards it yeah where do you get that from though like the because like your parents are still together right (laughs) they're actually legally divorced and they got back together no kidding super funny yeah so Um, did that influence your perspective of marriage no I mean they were together my my whole adolescence in life though so I don't think it was that I just I just I don't know it was never interesting to me yeah I always thought like that yeah I, I played single woman with a radio show and a dog and, and now I have a which also should be a good web and series a dog. too yeah yeah like I I you know I'm I guess little kid me thinks I'm very cool now yeah I turned out the way I expected to but yeah I remember when I did Fiddler on the Roof um I've said this before in, in interviews, but I, I played Seidel and she gets married and my dad leaned over to my mom and, and he said, I bet you that's the only time you're going to see her in a white dress. Right. Super funny. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, I believe in partnership for a long time, but I always just assumed that I'd either be like wealthy enough to just like pull an Angelina and adopt a child on my own later. Right. Or like maybe I will have 
children with someone and like yeah or I maybe you I have to make those decisions right no, like you don't. this is what like, you are right now exactly and if tomorrow you go you know what I've met somebody that I actually would like to marry then that's yeah. your choice too yeah you know it's it's exactly and feel like, free to change your mind exactly <laughs> right? exactly it's not like somebody's like um in 2017 you said you'd never get married and 2019 you're getting married yeah like, yeah because I'm human and I changed my mind yeah just changed my mind or yeah. I had a little too much and went to Vegas now <laughs> that's right no, that's the only time yeah. you're out of control with your choices yeah so the feedback from Carmilla, like, you must get so many fans just saying thank you for yeah. guiding us. What's that like to have that kind of impact? It's wild. Yeah. Um, and did you know it right away with Carmilla? Like, did it start immediately after you launched? We got our first piece of fan art, I think, about two weeks after the first chunk of episodes came out. And I think that's when we realized this was something special. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. I was familiar with Smoke Bomb's work. Uh, that's our producer. I was familiar with their work before Carmilla, so I had some inclination that it would do well, but it certainly surpassed our wildest dreams, and nobody thought that it would do as well as it did. Um, it exploded. It exploded. It's like there was this little pocket of yeah. the world that needed a, a yeah. voice for vampire lesbian yeah. <laughs> action, and it just exploded. Well, we also have a non-binary character, um, a genderqueer character on the series as well, and I think they're a wonderful role model and our our fans who also feel um that they identify as non-binary have really clung to that as well so Mm -hmm. i think like all across the board the representation has been incredible and i just feel really really lucky i mean two things i wanted to always play was a vampire and a lesbian and i got to play both one foul swoop yeah i got to play both if only there was a puppet if only there was a, well, there were sock puppets in season yeah, one, but so I, I didn't get that. to play with them. So sad. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like um, people's perspective of you is different from what you want people to think of you? Mm. Oh, that's a great question. I used to, I used to feel that way. I'm very much someone who like fights for justice and the truth. So when I see things online that were so wildly inaccurate about me, I'd get really upset. But then I just realized over time and over getting used to this um, sort of quote unquote fame or the business that eventually you just have to understand that you're not going to please everybody. And I am a pleaser and I want everyone to like me and I want people to be happy with my work, but nobody's perfect. Mm -hmm. And, and now I've accepted that some people are just going to interpret me the wrong way. But I think getting to um, host kind of TV has been really helpful because people get to see the kind of like nerdier, quirky side of me. Mm-hmm. And as I do shift behind the camera and create some of my own work, I have that opportunity to present another side of me. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of aspects of Carmilla that are me. But I think what people don't realize is that, you know, we are three-dimensional and like so yeah. multifaceted. We're not characters as yeah. actors. So I'm not insincere when I do feel cool and broody. That is a part of me. I'm also not insincere when I'm like awkward and have social anxiety. That's also a part of me. So there are parts of Carmilla that are very close to me. That's part of the reason why I wanted to audition for the role. Because as soon as I read the breakdown, I said, that's me. That's a role I can play. But that's just one facet of my personality. You know, um... I co-wrote a, a digital series called Clairvoyant, Claire with an E. Um, we started talking yeah. about that I said ventriloquist. Yeah. But yes, Clairvoyant. Claire yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, yeah, with one of my Carmilla series co-stars, Annie Briggs, and, and that character that I wrote is not me. She's very different from me, but there are parts of her that are also very similar to me. You know, yeah. she's that I wanted to show the more uh, neurotic, awkward side of me that yeah. like does not feel like the cool kid. <laughs> which is which is such a wild thing, right? Cuz everything that I see online of you is 
like you're pretty cool. Like you always look really cool. What? Clairvoyant? No way. Not so much because you're wild and fun. But like every like the shots, the interviews, you come away just looking so composed and oh, that's so elegant, funny. right? Great. So that's I'm the perspective. Everyone, super good. Depends actor. on the situation, though. Uh, I think. You know, it's my Virgo rising. I'm just okay. so grounded. Uh, but no, there's uh, definitely still the little kid who used to get bullied inside of me for sure. Yeah. And uh, especially like when it comes to women and dating women, which I wanted to illustrate in Clairvoyant, I am hella awkward. Really? Not suave at all. So in the past, when you've dated people, mm-hmm. how do you protect them from the outside world? Because there's a lot of people that are head over heels for you. Uh, yeah, right. Men and women. That's funny. Well, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't feel that way. But thank you. That's so funny. Look, I'm being Claire now already. I'm like, <laughs> uh, uh, people think I'm attractive. What? No. Um. No, it's funny. Uh, uh, I used to. I used to online date. Did you? Like many years Before ago, I tried Ella? the whole OkCupid okay, thing. Did you really? Yeah, because I didn't know how to meet women, yeah. and I thought this is the way. And at the time, OkCupid okay, only allowed you to identify as straight, gay, or bi. Right. And I felt like because I had to put bi, I got a lot of requests for threesomes. It was right. very interesting. Like no judgment to folks who have threesomes, but I was like, hey, just want to have coffee with some cool ladies, like. Super flattered, not interested in having a threesome. Um, <laughs> uh, I had to like put that on my profile. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember like I that was like the only way I like knew how to meet women. But even before that, that time too, when I was about nineteen, living in Montreal, I put this thing on Craigslist where I was like, I just want to hear people's coming out stories. Yeah. And I, I'm not really, like, sure if I'm ready to date women, but, like, I just want to meet more queer ladies, but I didn't know how to. So I, like, put that thing out on Craigslist, and then I just had coffee with, like, a bunch of really cool women who, yeah. like, told me their coming out stories, and then I just, like, never saw them again. And was, that was that enough for you? Way. Was that yeah. just a way to connect with the It was the really cool. And I yeah. just remember, like, walking through the village in Montreal, like, by myself, and I stumbled into what was an AA meeting, actually, but I was like, um, does anybody know if there's, like, a youth center somewhere, or, like, where can I talk about this, because I didn't know anything about, you know, Tumblr, online communities at that time, maybe they didn't even exist, I don't know, how old am I? pretty ballsy to go, just like, I'm gonna find it. Super weird, yeah, and this woman was just like, sure, she was, like, maybe in her late 40s, and she was like, ah, this weird kid, and just had coffee with me, and told me about how she learned that she was bi, and yeah. It was, it was great. What was your coming out story like? I don't really have one. And that is something people ask me all the time. And there are all these like different moments in my life where I sort of realized I wasn't straight. But there wasn't a specific coming out story because I am very privileged to live in Toronto. I went to an art school. Mm-hmm. I had very liberal parents. Yeah. Um, and also my struggles or any bit of homophobia that I've experienced are going, it's, it's going to be different than sure. what a person of color would experience yeah, as well. Yeah. So like I'm privileged in so many ways. I don't have, I didn't have this like grand moment. There was one moment where I remember I was seeing a girl, I was about like 1920 and I was seeing a guy at the same time, very scandalous. Uh, but I was telling my mom about it and my dad walked in the room and he was like, what are you guys talking about? And, uh, <laughs> she was like, you don't want to know. He's like, no, no, like you're talking about me. What are you talking about? <laughs> Um, which is super funny because, like, they were divorced at the time, so he probably thought I was, like, complaining. We were complaining right, about it right. or something, but he was like, right. what are you talking about? It was, like, you know, a holiday weekend, and I was home. And I was like, well, you know, I'm sleeping with my friend so-and-so, and also, like, pretty sure that I'm, like, bye, and with this girl. And he was like, oh, my God, you're right. Like, I did not want to know, and just, like, awkwardly <laughs> walked, out, walked of the room. out of the room. 
Um, so that was like probably the coming out story well, with my dad. Well, let me ask you, like, <laughs> do you remember the time when you were like, oh, I'm really comfortable in my skin? Uh, I'm working on that. Yeah. Well, aren't we all? I'm working on that. Sure. I don't know that I'm like really comfortable in my skin. Yeah. Yep. I have fleeting moments where I feel that way. And then I certainly still struggle with like, you know, learning how to love myself and love my body. I'm, I've been open about this, but I've struggled with depression and anxiety my whole life. And, and, uh, I'm still, I'm still working on that. Yeah. That yeah. might be our lifetime. Like, I don't know yeah. many people who don't, you yeah. know? And when you find that, like, I don't know what it is. It's like a little morsel of depression. You can see it coming your way and you're like, Oh, now I have more skills that I'm like, Oh, I know what I need to do. Yes, exactly. And there was a time that I'm like smack right in the face. And yeah, yeah. this industry has a lot of highs and lows. And sure I think does. I'm, I'm someone who's already, already has a predisposition to experience that. So, um, you know, I've certainly hit low peaks where I've had like major, major depressive episodes, especially when I was starting out on Carmilla, because what people didn't realize is that I was still, piss poor for the first two seasons. Right. I was working three serving jobs, bartending. Well, there's not a lot in of money student in web series. No, like, not at all. Comes so from fame it. does not equal money, yeah. especially in Canada, I would say. Yeah. And uh, especially in the digital realm. And so, you know, I would work on the project for a short amount of time and then go back to regular life yeah. and, and, or, or be struggling or not working. And Which is such a mind fuck. Like, yeah. to have this glamorous, look, people looking after you, what do you need, catering, and then now go back to your apartment. Yeah. So how did you, like, how did you get strong from that? Oh, well, things that I found that really help, um, I went through CBT therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy for, um, I think I was misdiagnosed, but I was diagnosed with panic disorder for a little while, and I was having some panic attacks, and so... How did that... That was, like, breathing and stuff like that? No, it's funny, because panic attacks are not what people think they are. They're not really external. They're very internal. So I might look very cool and calm on the outside, but internally, there's that little monster in your head that's like, you are not okay, and you are afraid right now, and, you know, I would feel very anxious, and your heart rate rises, but... uh, because um, I've seen, like, anxiety attacks when it is, like... Yeah, kind of, very, like, like hyperventilating. No, a lot of panic attacks are very internal. Uh, but then that was weird because someone in my group recognized me. They were like, hey, I saw you on breakfast television this morning. And then I was like, and now I have to stop going to this group. Yeah, so that was weird. hard, too. Yeah, so you're looking for help to deal with getting strong. Yeah. And where did you go? Um, well, I... you can't get so private, too, right? I'm, I'm very... Well, I'm very, very lucky that... Uh, I do live in Canada, so that I and then I have access to a free therapist. Yeah. Um. Uh, I started exercising a little bit, which I hated at no. first because I am not athletic. But I think having that physical activity was very helpful. Yeah. And also just pouring myself into my work and creating my own work was really helpful. Yeah. Um. For me, I think you know people ask me advice on how to deal with depression and anxiety all the time, and I think it ranges from person to person, and I think. But I think acknowledging that it's okay to not feel okay. Because a lot of people say depression is a choice. And they'll say, like, well, you... Who says that? I I feel like we've been educated past that. I know. And I've seen a lot of public figures (laughs) and other actors that I worked with post things about how, like, today, you know, wake up and, and, and make the choice to be happy. And it's like, sometimes it's not. Sometimes you are born with a chemical imbalance. Yeah. Or you are affected by things that happened to you as a child. Those are two reasons why... It should always be like dot, 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 if you can. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like it's not easy. Well, it's like there's no shame in being depressed and it's acknowledging, but I think it's acknowledging that, okay, I'm struggling with this. 
tomorrow is a new day though. Yeah. And look and, and trying to see the light and saying like, I feel sad today. That's okay. I'm going to go into my bed sheet burrito and feel sad and like maybe not go to this fancy event because I need to be alone and I need to cry for a day. Yeah. And that's okay. It's not the shame. It's the, the I, danger that I, yeah. like, so that that's okay for a day. And then how do you find the strength to go, no, today I'm going to get out of bed and today I'm going to get out of bed and make a phone call. The next, you know, like I'm not Still, saying it's easy. No, it's not easy. But Still I'm working on like, it. Yeah, like but, I'm saying, like anybody who gets into those worlds of depression, like totally take a day off. Yeah. But at what point are there too many days off, and you have to get help? It's something that really comes from within. Yeah. And it took me a really long time to acknowledge that I needed it. I was like 25 yeah. when I started acknowledging that, uh, because I spent a lot of my life taking care of other people as well, or being surrounded by other folks who needed my help, and also was, was that like your family? Well, family, friends, yeah. people I dated. I mean, I think that um, also as someone who is perceived as very successful and very together, and I've always been um, an overachiever and a workaholic my entire life, I was not acknowledging the things that were happening inside of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think understanding that there there is a way out, I think understanding that you're not alone, that other people experiencing these things too was really helpful for me. Yeah. And understanding that, yeah, sometimes... Depression is a chemical imbalance you were born with, and sometimes it is, or based off things that happened to you as a child, which was my depression, and that's okay. That doesn't make me um, crazy or stupid. I hate the word mental illness because I think it's more about let's protect our mental health. It's not like, oh, I'm mentally ill. I'm not ill. It's like, I'm just working on my mental health, and I'm trying to be healthy. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's just like my personal opinion. Again, like I would never want to say to someone, this is the right way to deal with it. These are just like my own stories. I'm not an expert, so. No, but you're an expert on you. Yeah. Today. Yeah. And you'll change it for tomorrow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think it is, it's, you know, somebody in your position has a lot of power and I think it's amazing that you've recognized that you mm-hmm. do have a platform. Which and, like, scares the shit out of absolutely. me constantly. Like anytime mm-hmm. that I've ever been up for an award or been given a platform, I am so nervous that I'm not going to use that time well. Mm-hmm. Right, and you must feel that all the time that you have to. That's that's what I mean. Like you have to sort of figure out what you want to say as your message constantly, because people are asking you this. Mm-hmm. And guess what? There's a lot of kids that are looking you to you for advice and guidance. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. Um, but I think just trying to be as genuine as possible is is what I've done. Yeah. And um, how's your burnout factor? Uh, <laughs> It's funny, we were talking about podcasts, and I there was an episode on burnout on uh, Stuff Mom Never Told You, yeah. and uh, it was really interesting, because I, I certainly feel like I'm starting to burn out. I'm doing a lot right you've now. you've been going solid since 2014. Yeah. Like, pretty... with the press and everything else around Camilla, but then also, oh, I have a little break here. Why don't I start my own web series? Yeah, why don't I start my own web series? Yeah, currently I am shooting a feature film starting in six days in Chicago. Come on. Uh, producing a show, yeah. Working at Kinda TV, um, doing a lot. Yeah. Finishing Carmilla Movie Tidbits this week. Um, so, yes. It's, so, it's how a do lot. you negotiate that? Because that's, like, is that sustainable for you? Uh, I, you know, I wish I could say, like, yeah, I handle it so well all the time. It's great because I am a workaholic and I thrive when I'm busy. I do worry that at some point I'm going to crash and I'm afraid of that crash. But I think it's having great friends and family to talk to about it, knowing that I have those resources Mm -hmm. and not being ashamed to talk to them about it. I used to feel like I had to do everything by myself 
And I think as they got older, I realized, like, it's okay to ask for help. Oh, my God. And say, hey. Why is that so hard? It's hard. Why, though? Like, it's, well, I think like it's, it's the nicest thing. If, some, if I came yeah. to you and said, Natasha, I need help, you'd be like, awesome. Yeah. What can I do to help you? Yeah. Same with me. Like, if somebody asks, if I can do it, I love it. But it's the hardest thing. It's really hard. I think especially because I, I grew up very independent. And um, I think it's also hard to ask for help because... I would see it as a sign of, you know, failure, which it's not at no. all. We're humans. We need communities. We need to connect with people. It takes a village to make something yeah. happen. Um, but uh, I think especially as a, a woman in the film industry as well, I would, you know, I didn't want to ask for help because I really want to prove that I could do everything yeah, and on my own. But we can't. We can't. Like any project, any somebody, anybody who's got any level of celebrity status or success didn't do that by themselves. No. You know, like... Yeah. I do a lot by myself, but... Yeah, but you... <laughs> probably more than the average person, but I'm, you're very I'm also very lucky that I, I do have, like, you know, people even just acknowledging... I, I mean, I would be remiss not to acknowledge the fact that my, my scene partner, my co-star on Carmilla, um, is amazing. My chemistry with her has a lot to do with the fact sure. that Carmilla became so huge. Yeah. And, and that... You dress the same by accident. Yeah, you guys have such like great chemistry. Great. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So, what do you do then to re refuel? What's your refuel uh, strategy? I spend a lot of time with my dog. Yeah. When I need to refuel. What kind of dog do you have? Oh, my dog. He's a little mutt. He's a little rescue mutt. What's from, his name? From Saber Scruff. His name's Charlie or Charles when he fancy. Oh, yeah. Do you dress? Are you a dress up? Do you dress him up? No, I think it's. Really, I I mean, I sh we were talking about judgment, and I was like, I never judge. I was like, no, I kind of oh, judge. Oh, that I dog in a tutu. What are you doing? I kind of judge. How do you take your dog in a Snuggie? I don't yeah. get that. I just like, I I'm him, not judging. Enjoy your life. The I dog looks happy. I try to let happy. him be a dog, though. Yeah. I'll put like a bandana on him. Yeah. The odd That's time. as far as we would have. Or like a, cool a bow tie, collar. maybe at Christmas. Maybe. 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 Yeah. But yeah, most of the time, I kind of just let him be a dog. It's the stroller action that I have a hard time with. When Ooh. dogs are in strollers? Yeah, like, he's a terrier mix. That would not go well. No, he I don't get it. He needs to run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. We yeah. love our dogs. But that is a re... I remember uh, feeling like a need for a dog because I needed to refuel. Mm -hmm. How long have you had Charlie? I've had him for a year and a half. Yeah. I got him... I, I started, he started as a foster dog, actually. I used to foster yeah. dogs. Yeah, you've been doing that for a while, right? Yeah. You're and... very active in the world of... Dog foster. Uh, yeah, I love it. It's such a great option if you feel like you can't um, properly care for a dog. Yeah, but how do you say goodbye? It's really hard, but I love dogs enough to know that I, you know, I loved dogs enough to know that I, it wouldn't have been responsible for me to have a dog at those times. Right. So it was like very hard to say goodbye, but I knew they were having a better life. And then like once I was financially secure enough to, to have a dog yeah. and be an adult, then I was like, cool, I'm ready. But it happened by accident. He was a foster. And I didn't expect to keep him. And then at some point I was like, I think this is my dog. This is the one. I think I need to keep him. Yeah. Will he go to Chicago with He's you? He's so great. No. Can he? I, may, I, maybe. I think it'd be like a little stressful though. He needs a lot of attention. Oh. Yeah. You need to have somebody <laughs> yeah. else hanging around with He's going to be with his best friend. Oh, there. His best friend dog. You'll dismiss him. That's all. Yeah. 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 So you do that. How do you refuel like creatively? Because you do a lot that's out there with your new web series mm -hmm. and with. Do you write for um, Carmela? 
No, no, I don't write for Carmilla, but I do write sometimes little articles, little poems here yeah. and there. I think creating things just for myself as well and trying to create things that are not meant to be shared sometimes is nice. Yeah. Um, like I'll, I'll paint sometimes, yeah. which people don't really know about. And my paintings are awful, but I love like watercolors. They find it very love it. therapeutic. Uh, what do you paint? For me. Oh man, just like weird, obscure, abstract things sometimes, or like a lot of flowers and like landscapes and things like that but um yeah so I I find that super therapeutic Uh, I used to play softball which is really fun I haven't had time unfortunately my schedule's been too busy but when I do get the opportunity I I love playing softball I think being part of a team and just kind of forgetting about your day for a little while and uh, and I can't believe I forgot this oh my gosh I still work at a farmer's market so you work at a farmer's market now what do you think that brings to your makeup I call it my therapy it is so therapeutic it's so wonderful it keeps me really grounded I love waking up super early getting dirt under my nails coming home like covered in icing sugar um, and working with... Wait, hold on a second. So there's dirt and icing there's sugar? There's dirt. There's icing sugar. You guys like sugar. cooking like dirt, dirty cupcakes? Yeah, dirt Got sandwiches. It. Got it. Uh, <laughs> I want to go to that farmer's market. Yeah. We, um, well, it's, it's funny. The chef I work with there, I used to work in his, uh, shop doing pastry prep when I was a starving artist. And, uh, he basically like had to let me go. He's like, it's not a question of when, it's a question of how like I know your career is really taking yeah. off and I had I you know left his shop but I still remained at the farmer's market um so yeah it's really cool we're like great friends and uh yeah it's been it's been super fun to just do that and because it's nice to go there and people don't really know who I am or like what yeah. I do and I'm just like the girl who sells pies and also some customers talk to me like garbage and it really like keeps me in check yeah it's like yeah people talk to me like I don't know how to make change right it's like what do you do in those circumstances do you fight back are you the person that goes hey or are you just a bottle it in kind of i kind of it's a balance yeah i zen out i stay very chill but sometimes i'm just like i'll I'll like turn around and be like i'm smarter than i look you know like yep don't worry yeah not just a pretty face and like i feel like there should be a course on how to deal with assholes yeah (laughs) because anytime that anybody's dealt with me poorly in that kind of way. Yeah. I am so dumbfounded that I don't have a good retort. But yeah. I'd love to be trained to be able to go, yeah, like here's the response that I wish I'd had. Yeah. As opposed to driving home going, oh, I got it. And then yeah, going back and trying to find a person. This one person who work. always says to me, um, they're always surprised that I remember their name in their sandwich order. And he once said to me like, oh, you could be using that brain capacity for something better. You could be learning a language. <laughs> and I was like, Remarkably, I was like, I know, isn't it wild how much women can do? I can remember someone's name in sandwich order and learn a language and like 50 pages of script a day. Yeah, that's (laughs) hilarious. It's so funny. Oh my goodness. It's wild. So who inspires you? Like you inspire so many people. Who are your inspirations? Oh, wow. And that's not just in our industry, like outside. Who who jazzes you? Mmm... I have to say that my Carmilla series producer is super inspiring. I feel like she does not always get enough credit, but, Mm. um, you know, she really pushed for me to be cast and she really pushed for the show to get made. And I think that she's doing really great things. And she was super, super young when she started it. Steph. 
Ilana. Mean. Yeah. She was like 27 when she started Carmilla, and I think that's really awesome and, and really inspiring. Um, my mom really inspires me. My yeah. my grandparents really inspire me. What's your I, mom's first name? Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl. There's something I love. Like, I could say Cheryl and you can say Cheryl. They're very different versions of that name. Yeah. You know, like Cheryl. Like, that's fantastic. Yeah. What does she do that you, um, that, that, that you take as, uh, well, what does she do to inspire you? I feel like it's not my place to share her backstory, but the things that have happened to her and the way that she grew up, like, she should be, like, a serial killer, um, really, like, her origin story, but instead she's this incredibly warm, generous woman who, like, nurtured my creativity and taught me to be independent and taught me to be a fighter and taught me to be resourceful and make something out of nothing and... You know, she really um, gave her children a better life mm-hmm. and is just like the most like warm, fierce lady. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember one of those stories of like when she was like, no, you need to step up for yourself? Oh, yeah. Kids were really mean to me growing up. Again, I was a kid with like purple hair and a puppet, so I understand why. I was also, I found a journal of... You probably would have come home for lunch with me, just so you know. We would have had grilled cheese sandwiches for sure. Oh my gosh, amazing. Yeah, and tomato soup would have been the best. Delicious. That was like the <laughs> common common lunch at my household. I was a latchkey kid, so I think I had that too, but I would, I would come home by myself and eat lunch by myself. Yeah. yeah make lunch by myself. But uh, So what did your mom say when you said Well, like, you know, she always said, like, it will get better. It will get better. She was the original who said that. Yeah, yeah she's before like, the campaign started, it your mom. will get better. You will do great things. Yeah. Kids aren't mean, but you are great. And um, I recently found this uh, this journal that um, I had to do for, for school. It was an all about me project that yeah. I'd written when I was like 12. And I was like, no wonder kids were mean to me, though, because I was so confident and like really sure of myself right. and i really feel like i wish i could take a book a page out of 12 year old me's book because yeah. i was so confident i was like man no wonder kids hated me like i would have hated me <laughs> cuz i was just cuz you really i think when people are insecure they project those insecurities onto other people mm-hmm. and yeah so um you know she really encouraged me to just just be myself and uh she was great i mean it wasn't always rainbows and butterflies we went through lots of struggles um we went through a little falling out in my early 20s um because i think like she just worried about me i think you know she wanted to be supportive but i think all parents especially if they're not in the industry and the arts are like oh my gosh my kid's going to be poor and forever or like starving for she like saying like you should just come home like don't um no i mean basically they were I, I paid for school myself but she she helped me out you know with rent and things like that mm-hmm. when I was in university and basically it was like all right you are on your own now you are cut off dried out right um, and I used to be so resentful of that when I was younger because sure. I was like damn it my parents didn't give me anything like all these other kids got all these amazing things and now that I'm older I I'm like thank you like the more actors and and folks I work with or meet in my life or adults in any capacity who had it very good um, growing up, but we're very spoiled and I see the way they can't really handle stress or deal with things. Um, I, I remember there was one instance where I did call my mom and I was like, thank you so much for raising me the way you did yeah. because, uh, I feel like they really set me up for success, even though 
I did not always have it. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah, that's that must be so hard for a mom and dad to like watch their kids struggle and know how to guide them properly. Yeah, they I mean they didn't. They didn't my my dad um doesn't is is not super educated and and so um but they they worked really hard. Like they both did quite well for themselves now and obviously it was a gen- different generation where you you could do that without an education, mm-hmm. but um yeah, but they worked really hard despite the fact that they didn't have the same opportunities that um they gave me. So so it's not that they're not smart, they just didn't have an education. Yeah, and yeah. But they... But they had, like, other yeah. smarts. You yeah. You know, like, just because they didn't they have did. an education yeah. doesn't mean that they're not intelligent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, who, like, so your mom and um, producer, do you feel like there's anybody that's been your mentor now? Like you mm. said, in school you didn't really have a mentor. I mean, I didn't have a mentor at McGill, but I did have a lot of fantastic teachers in elementary school and um, in public school. I am very, very much a, a result of public school art programs mm-hmm. and music programs. There was a piano in my kindergarten classroom and amazing. I walked up to it and I started playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star by ear when I was like four years old no and that's kidding. how people discovered that I had a gift for music. And it, it makes me so sad that they're really stripping music and arts from school programs because I would not be on the track that I am now if it hadn't been for also public school bursaries that paid for my music lessons. Um, yeah. The director of my music theater program at Wexford um, assisted my parents with my voice lessons. Um, you know, my voice teacher growing up was very much a mentor to me. And I did a lot of community theater as well. Yeah. So um, I, whenever young actors ask me, you know, uh, how did you sort of get started or what's your advice? I'd say community theater is fantastic because it really um, gives you an opportunity to play roles that you wouldn't normally get to play, mm-hmm. but also... Like what? What did you do? Well, I got to play a lot of lead roles, which yeah. I wouldn't have maybe had the opportunity to play. So I did like Gigi, Gypsy, yeah, and right Mikado. On. I mean, oh I was gosh. like the lead of the Mikado at 17, which is unheard of, That's I fantastic. think. That's fantastic. I must miss singing. I do sometimes. Sometimes yeah. I feel like there's this little part of my soul. Once in a while, I'll go see my old voice teacher and we'll do a lesson and I'll sing an aria and then I'll just like start weeping and she'll be like, yep, cool. That's the big voice in you that you need to let out. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll be like, okay, I'm good. And yeah. I don't miss the world though. I think it's like the, what I love about the digital world and what I love about film and television is that I can be myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I was in music theater and, and in the opera world, I had to always be extremely uh, polished and extremely poised and people wanted to put me in a, in a dress with a bow in my hair all right. the time or I do <laughs> right. musical theater and they'd say great you're gonna play the 14 year old oh but your voice sounds 40 oh but this and that and and so as soon as I put on a leather jacket and walked into a room I booked Carmilla right and from then on it when was, you were you yeah when yeah. I was me that's when that's when the work came I think you might like with opera I feel like that I feel like opera and operetta is sort of removed from the audience because it's so yeah that is beautiful and perfect yes but don't you find with like musical theater like I just saw um, Waitress and oh, wow. Come From Away in New York oh, and both good. those like I don't feel like you can hide the truth when you sing because it's no. so connected to the breath yeah and I think you should sing when normal words aren't good enough. I think that's yeah. what a, a, right, a real good sing. musical does. Um, Gypsy, throwing this out there for anybody listening. No, yes. um, Gypsy is a show I would love to do again. Oh my gosh. I would love to do it twice. Yes. I would love to do it again and play Gypsy. And then when I am 
Um, you know, in my 60s, I'd love to play Mama Rose again. Oh, my God. Um, I love that you've already played Mama Rose. <laughs> That's like, fantastic. Oh, I haven't played. Sorry, well, I played Gypsy. Again. Oh, no. I'd love to, like, do the show again. Oh, do it again. And, okay. Yeah, but, but play Mama but, Rose But, like, in later. community theater, you're like, yeah, I'd put some baby powder in her hair. She's going to play Mama Rose at 14. Yeah. You know. Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, I did play Gypsy at, at, I was 18, and I remember, like, the... You know, because she's a burlesque dancer, people were giving my parents a lot of crap. Yeah. They were like, how do you feel about this? And they were like, well, she's showing her collarbones, first of all. That's right. Like, second of all, she's 18. So yeah. there you go. But great role. Such a great musical. One of my favorites. Um, but what I found, there are still some tropes that exist in the music theater world. Like, because I was a classically trained soprano, um, you know, people wanted me to be the sweet ingenue. Sure. But then I have very, like, sharp, dark features. So I didn't look like what they thought an ingenue should yeah. look like. So, Well, you talked to Cameron Manham about that because she played uh, an ingenue um, on her last show at NYU. And oh, then she, just, she was cast as Snow White, I think. Was it Snow White? But like totally not what you expect, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like my my personality certainly is not the ingenue. I'm usually a supporting type because they yeah, get who the wants meteor thing. Yeah, yeah, right? Like like, I love it. I love being supporting, but yeah. um, but because my voice was so high and not not brassy, I couldn't really like play um, those roles. So I just have been purposely like damaging my voice over the years so that I can play the roles yeah. that I love to play. <laughs> right uh, now, I can belt. That's right. belt. Uh, yeah. Oh my god, I would love to see you sing. Oh man. Oh my god, that'd be great. One see day, if I, if I can still do it, it's in there. It's in there. It's inside it might of be me. a bit scary. To be honest, like if you have that yeah. kind of like, you know, to be, have, you have to unlock it again a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. But worth the adventure. It would be, it would be fun. Well, I think um, one of the things that pushed me to, to leave school as well is that I had several callbacks for Les Mis here in Toronto and I yeah. kept going back and forth between Toronto and, and Montreal and, and, you know, they really wanted me to be Cosette. Of course. But then, more they said my voice sounded like Cosette, but then they really wanted me to be Eponine and I couldn't belt at the time and right. it was like... Uh, just put a blonde wig on me. Right. But, yeah, they can't see that. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was neat to, um... I think you can do anything. I feel like you've just started. People haven't seen, like, a smidgen oh, of what you can do. That's like, you're my new mentor. Oh, that's the nicest thing no, to I, say. I'm so excited for Thank what you. you do next. Like, you've been, like, cracking since, I mean, since you've been singing, but, like, in the public eye since 2013, 14. Yeah, 14, about like, three years, yeah. Like, look what you've done already. What are you going to do next? I'm excited Sometimes I feel like it's never enough, but then I guess when you do look at the grand scheme of things, it's like, oh yeah, it's yeah. only been three years. When you, when you feel like it hasn't been enough, okay. just call me and I'll be like, look what you've done. Look <laughs> at the impact you've had and just take a breath and see what you want to do next. Yeah. Well, I, I always, I always want to do more, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think, no. um, you know, I but think also there's, there's always too. more to be done yeah. as well. Like, I, I could never call myself an activist because I, I don't feel like I do enough. And I think that's a good thing, though, because I think, like... I think you can call yourself an activist. You stand up for what you believe in. Yeah, I, I know. Mean, it's not saying that, like, as an activist, you have to do that 24 hours a day. You do when you have your platform. Yeah, I You, guess, you, I you use so. your platform very well. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's wrap this up because I could talk to you forever. What? Yeah, it's not. No. Yeah, we could, and you have things to do. Um, so what is something that you feel is your mantra? Hmm. A couple things. Talked about this before. It's okay to not be okay. 
Yeah. That's one of my mantras when it comes to mental health is like acknowledging that sometimes it's okay to not yeah. be okay. Do you live by that? I do. Yeah. Um, the other one, when we were talking about my mentor and my hero, my mom, this advice comes from my mom. It's take the shit that life hands you, use it as fertilizer and grow from it. I love that. That's what she I raised love me on. That. And I think it's, it's great. Yeah. When's the last time you got, um, handed a bunch of shit that you had to turn into fertilizer? Well, uh, as I shift behind the camera and as I learn what it means to be a woman in the film industry, um, and I haven't necessarily been handed shit, but I'm, I am learning that I have to be assertive and aggressive and I have to not apologize for it. And I have to not feel like I'm being a diva when I ask for the things that I need. I have to say, no, I'm just being a business person or I'm just being, um, a visionary, uh, someone who knows yeah. what they want. Yeah. Um, so that's something I'm, I'm learning a lot about and, but it's been, uh, it's been a great learning experience. Um, and also just, you know, being in the digital realm, you'll, you'll see trolls and you'll see negative comments and things like that. And just, and just learning, you know, to, to, to take the, take them with a grain of salt. Yeah. And Does that ever hit your hearts? Those trolls? I mean, I think all actors are sensitive creatures and I, I certainly sure. like, I hate to admit it, but sure. There's a sensitive side to me that we'll see the one bad comment out of 300 and right. be like, Oh gosh, that's, that's awful. But for the most part, um, I'd say 99.9% of my fans are so positive and wonderful yeah. and and, uh, and usually your fans take care of the trolls anyway, don't they? They do. Right? Like you don't even need to get involved. You just like let stand back. They certainly do. Yeah. I think it's when the trolls start reaching out to like my friends and family and colleagues. So that's when I like mama bear instincts come out. And then I'm like, don't mess with the people I love. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or when I see like fans bullying each other, then I'm like, no, you know? Yeah. But I was like, do it to me, but not to them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my hero complex, I think. I get that. Yeah. I get that. You want to protect like your yeah. people that love you for yeah. sure. So you're um, working as a female in the industry, mm -hmm. no, working mm. behind the camera now. When have you had to sort of put your elbows up and um, assert yourself? Oh, I'm, st I'm, I'm still working on that. I'll be the first to admit that. Um, for the most part, things are, are pretty great, but, um, yeah, I think I'm still working on, on stepping up. It's this diva world word though. Like it's so funny how You're far from it. Like I would never put you under the title of diva. Oh, ever. Like I think you. you're assertive I mean, and I think that you, you do know what you want and you, you're clear about your vision. Yeah. Um, and I think that you'll find your voice and how to express yourself in those ways. Yeah. Definitely. But it's, it's this fear we have. Like I've, I've talked to uh, my co-star about this as well as sometimes it's like, it's like, Oh, we feel like we're being divas if we ask for something so simple that we need, even if it's just like, can we cut so I can go to the bathroom? Yeah. You know, and it's so silly because I feel like most men wouldn't do that. Um, you know, they would just ask to go to the bathroom, yeah. but it's like, Oh gosh, if I, if I stop production or I ask for this or, you know, I like get coffee are people going to think that I'm difficult to work with. And it's like, it's it's totally wild, but I feel like it, we're so conditioned to believe that when we're like assertive, that we're being divas, mm -hmm. or that we're like being. You might just need to trust that the people yeah. around you know you well. No, that I'm not. Yeah, yeah I know like, it's true. I also think there's something like with ugh, she my. She has a bladder. She needs to pee. Craziness. <laughs> I don't know if it's just like my general bone structure, but I think like people think I'm high maintenance just based off the way I look sometimes, or that I'm like a Slytherin like people are always like what's your Harry Potter house you must be a Slytherin obviously and I'm like heck no I have you ever been blonde no would you ever 
I've had like blonde, I had blonde streaks in the early 2000s when that was a yeah. thing. Should probably never do that again. Um, be wild. It would be a wild thing to go be out wild. as a blonde. I would, I would go like like white blonde. I yeah. think that I I look quite terrible as a blonde, but I would do like the white blonde thing for sure. Right now, I'm just you know being me, yeah. embracing the darkness. Yeah. That's I mean yeah. People are always like. Is your hair like naturally that dark? Are you are you a goth? Are oh you a witch? God. Why are you so pale? I'm like, well, I'm like Greek, Irish, and Native. Chances are my hair was gonna be black. Yeah. And uh, yes, I'm I am this pale. It's a good combo. You're yeah. gorgeous. Well, thanks. Yeah. What's next coming up that it has nothing to do with the business and work? Nothing to do with the business and work. Jeez. <laughs> That's a great question. Should I? I should think of something or do something because I. Is there anything that you'd love to try that you never done? Like that's not acting related. Oh my goodness! I literally work all the time. Who are you? I would love like- to, but the thing is, my work is my play. I get it. I love what we get to do. Yeah, hundred percent. But there has to be like for me, like water painting or watercolor, yeah. doing that kind of stuff. I love that kind of stuff I used because to make jewelry. Yeah, it was fun. What's next for me that has nothing to do with work? I mean, I guess it still sort of is. I've I've recently connected with um, the Get Real Movement, which is a really cool organization that's like anti-bullying yeah. and and they do talks in schools. So I think what's next is actually just like volunteering my time and doing talks for nothing, just yeah. for me, just for free. Have you ever just done that public speaking? Doing them, not really like major public speaking as myself. So yeah. I think that would be really cool to just like get to do that this year and um yeah I'd love to travel I've also because I grew up very poor never got to travel outside of North America yet yeah and where would you go I hope that one day Tokyo is like never one on my list I my family was a host family for international students growing up so I I know a lot of people in Japan because they lived with my family um I'd really love to go to Europe I'd love to see where my grandparents came from. Oh my from. gosh, yeah. Yeah. It'd be so exciting to yeah. go in the world. Yeah. So maybe some traveling's on the horizon for me. Who knows? Who knows? Well, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. I'm excited, and thank you. I so appreciate you spending some time with me. I know you're crazy busy. Oh, thank you so it. much for having me. I love this weird trajectory of like, that, like seeing you at Carnegie Hall show, mm-hmm. and then like we're hanging out here and talking. Like It's such... Yeah. Something well, it's like funny because I've been a fan of your work forever. Oh. So I remember when I got to sing at Carnegie Hall show, I was like, she's the greatest improviser ever. Oh. Like, she's amazing. And I looked up to you so much. And I was like so nervous to sing at your show. And so, yes, it's like... How did it go for you? Very bizarre to be on your show. How was the show? Do you remember the Carnegie Hall show? Oh, I think we had a fun time. Yeah. I, remember it. I just remember there was well. a tipping point, And I think you were yeah. part of it. There was like, nobody would come, nobody would come. And then one day, it just started selling out. And then you were part of the selling out time. Because it was packed. I remember looking at you going, we have this gal singing, like, opera. And yeah. then this audience was just, like, gobsmacked. It was a really exciting show. That's so funny. One day we'll do it again at the real Carnegie Hall. Hey, that would be amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you I so really much. I appreciate it. It was so fun. And that's Natasha. She's just great. You know, she speaks her heart. She doesn't mix words. And I just, honestly, I said this in the interview, I can't wait to see what she does next. Because she can do anything. I mean, guys, we can all do anything. What do you want to do? Do you want to write a play? Do you want to make a movie? 
Do you want to start a, a podcast? You can do that. You really can. I mean, gosh, sometimes it takes like effort and raising money and those things, but you can do anything. Find somebody that wants to do the same thing as you do and start a team. That's what I always find. Anytime I've ever wanted to start a project, I find one other person that wants to start the project with me, and then we have a team. It's all about teams. That's what it is for me. Uh, go drop Natasha a line and tell her how fantastic she is, because she really is. And her Twitter account is natvanless. Uh, while you're there, drop Firecracker Department a little line too and tell me what you were inspired by with it. Something that she might have said or something that uh, an episode that you saw. Would love to hear any and all that feedback, please. And thank you. Uh, we're in the swing now. We're going to get more and more uh, episodes coming your way. But please, please, please write with any feedback and um, I will reply. And, and let's keep this department alive and kicking. I so appreciate all your support, everybody. Go on out there and be bold, be brave, and get inspired by things that are going on around you. It's an exciting time and we're all part of it. Thanks for listening to the Firecracker Department. We'll see you next time. I'm Naomi Sneakers.